Well, hello, Walnut Hill family. I'm so glad to be here with you all in Bethel. And for those of you joining us in Waterbury and New Milford and Derby and online, if you don't know me, I'm Crystal Ellington. I'm the online campus pastor. And I'm so stoked, actually, to be here to share the word of God with you today. You know, we're in this sermon series, this season where we are diving into what Jesus says. What does he say to us? Who does he call us to be? And so today I wanted to start off a little bit differently with a truth that will change your life. It will transform you if you let it. It's kind of a big thing to say, right? Here's the truth. Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves you, amen, that's right. And I'm gonna tell you something, it's so important that we really begin to grasp the greatness of his love for us. His love is so big that every day we can discover something new about his love and the way that he loves us. But why is this important? Why did I choose to start off this here today with that? Well, because he loves us. We have the ability, the capability, he, he transforms our hearts and our minds so that we can love him. And we know that he loves us, why? Because he was willing to come down from the perfection and glory and splendor of heaven to be born here into poverty. And then he was willing to live a perfect, sinless life. He was tempted as we are, but never sinned. And then he went to the cross and bore that torturous death just so that we could be free so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be reconciled, so that we could be called sons and daughters of God, and that is what we are. That is what the love of Jesus does. That's what it did. So now, as we consider this love, the question that I have in my heart, he, he's called us to love him. I wanna know as a human being, as a finite person, how on earth can I love the living God? What does that mean? How can I love him in the way that he deserves, in the way that he desires? Well, Jesus is good to us. He doesn't leave us in the dark. He tells us in John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Jesus equates love with obedience. Loving Jesus looks like being obedient. Now, why do you think Jesus would place such a high premium on love, that love and obedience, they're the same. Well, because he's our creator, he knows us. He knows what we were made for. And in the greatness of his love, he wants us to walk into the fullness of our callings and our purposes. He wants us to walk in his will. And he knows that that is the way that we will live the, the rich and satisfying life that he so wants to give us, that he promises us. That's the way that we can live that way if we are obedient. But I wanna say something about obedience. This is not obedience out of fear of an angry or vengeful God. This is an obedience based on knowing the greatness of the love of Jesus, which is why we must know that Jesus loves us. So when he calls us to be obedient, it's not out of anger or wrath, but it's out of love. So I wanna challenge you today with this one sentence that you'll hear me say probably several times today. If you love Jesus, you must obey him. It's plain and simple. So now as we, we go into our main scripture text for today, you're gonna see what it looks like to be obedient. If you would turn with me to Matthew chapter seven, and we're gonna read verses 29, 21 to 29. The Bible says, 
Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. So if you followed along with me today, you'd see that the word obedience is not actually in this passage. It's there, you just have to dig a little bit deeper to find it. In verse 21, Jesus says, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And in verse 24, he says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds their house on a rock. So Jesus is saying that those who do the will of the Father and those who listen to his teachings and follow them, those are the people he considers to be obedient. And when Jesus is calling us to be obedient, he's telling us to follow the commands and the guidance of God. He's telling us to conform or comply with God's will. And when we do that, when we conform to those commands and to that guidance, we're showing that we truly love him. What I love about Jesus, he didn't just come down and tell us these things. He came down from heaven to be the perfect model of obedience. Jesus himself says in John chapter six, he says, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Jesus, fully God, walked in obedience to the Father, doing the will of God and not his own. So the question I have for myself is, if Jesus is obedient, why shouldn't we be obedient? We are definitely called to walk and to honor, to comply, to conform with the will of God. Because if you love Jesus, you must obey him. So in this passage that I just read in Matthew 7, there are four markers, four hallmarks of obedience. They are to surrender, to listen, to act, and to endure. So let me start off with surrender. To be obedient, we must surrender. But where is their surrender in this passage? Again, you gotta dig a little deeper and I'll point it out for you. Jesus says, he says, I never knew you. He was talking about people who went out and did good deeds in his name, who did miracles, who prophesied, who cast out demons. These people, he's calling, saying to them that he didn't know them, why? Because they did not have a relationship with him. And we can only become people he knows, people who belong to him, when we surrender our lives fully to Jesus through placing our faith in him. And the apostle Paul describes it like this in Romans. He says, we must openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, for it is by believing in our hearts that we are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring our faith that we are saved. 
So I think I want to take a moment right now and pause and pray. All of us, we are in some place, in some ways, not fully surrendered to God. And some of us may have never surrendered to God. So this is an opportunity we're going to take together to pray and ask the Lord to really just pierce your heart in this moment and show you those places of surrender where, those places where you're not fully surrendered to him. Let's, let's pray together. Oh, dear Jesus, we thank you for coming to the earth to suffer sacrifice in your life for being Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Lord, we thank you that you came down and you were willing to die and then you rose again in victory so that we could have victory. Jesus, we thank you. We're sorry for those ways that we have not obeyed, for the ways that we lived for ourselves, for the ways that we've sinned. God, we don't wanna do that. We repent from those right now. In Jesus' name, we repent. And God, we pray, Holy Spirit, please come fill us freshly so that we can live for you, so that we can walk in this surrendered life that you are calling us to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The most important thing that I can tell you right now is that we have to wholeheartedly surrender to Jesus. And this true surrender isn't a single moment. That prayer that we did, there's nothing magical about it. It's just us rending our hearts before the Lord and telling him, this is, this is yours. What all that I have is yours. This surrender life is a lifestyle. It's a lifelong pursuit of the living God. We're saying when we surrender God, this life is fully yours. You created me. My life is not my own. I have been bought with the price of the blood of Christ. Therefore, all that I have and all that I am is yours. I trust you with my time, my finances, my gifts and abilities, all the things that you have given me. And there is nothing that I have Nothing that I am that I will not give to you. That is what surrender is. And the only way that we can live this life of surrender is not by striving. It's by the power of Holy Spirit that we receive when we believe. Holy Spirit is our comforter, our teacher, our guide, our advocate. He guides us into all truth. He teaches us and reminds us of who God is. It is through the power of Holy Spirit inside of us that we can even surrender at all. God calls us to him. We must wholeheartedly surrender ourselves to Jesus to be obedient. Next, to be obedient, we must listen. And Jesus clearly calls us to listen in our passage today. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching, he says the word listen. And you notice, he doesn't just say listen to anything. He doesn't leave it uh, to chance or for us to figure out or guess what we should be listening to. He says, listen to my teaching. And what are the teachings of Jesus? Well, we are in this season called Jesus Says, where we have been learning about the teachings of Jesus. If you've been following along with us, and if you haven't, go back. We have them on YouTube, on our website. All the messages are there for you to learn and to glean exactly what the teachings of Jesus are We've talked about being salt and light. We've talked about loving your enemies. We've talked about being prayerful, being generous, being aware. Those are the things that Jesus is calling us to, and there's more. Read your Bible. Pick it up. Open it up. There are things in there for you to learn. The Word of God is living and active every time you open it. You could read the same passage over and over, and I can guarantee you this, that Jesus will speak to you if you ask him to. Read the Sermon on the Mount again, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Read some of the Pauline epistles. 
Read your Bible, friends. That is where you learn the the teachings of Jesus. In 2 Timothy, Paul says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Your Bible is your best friend. BFF with your Bible, please. Read it. It will tell you all the things that you need to know. I guarantee it. But besides reading and hearing, listening is more than that. And Solomon lets us into this in in Proverbs chapter four. He says, listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. We can't just read the pages and then forget what we've said. Listening involves meditating, ruminating, chewing on the word of God until it becomes part of who we are, embedded in our DNA. Our thoughts are in line with the word of God when we spend time in it. Not just reading, but asking the Lord to reveal himself to us through it. Saying, Lord, what is it you want me to see today? And how can I do this thing that you you said today? So also when Jesus is talking about listening, he's talking about listening to the Holy Spirit, allowing him to guide you through your day. And this is so important because this world is so noisy. There are so many distractions and some of them are good things. You know, your kids are good things. You have a job. You have all these things in your lives that can pull you away from hearing the voice of God, but we have to dial in. We have to be intentional with our walk with Jesus and listening to Holy Spirit. Sometimes our minds are so consumed with all that's going on in our lives that we can't hear. That's why it takes intentionality. It takes pausing at the beginning of your day and saying, Lord, hey, thanks for waking me up today. What are we doing today? How is this gonna go? How should I respond? Where, what is it I need to know from you today about my day? And then continuing the conversation Leaning in at your lunchtime, leaning in when you feel like that person, the extra grace required person at your job is getting on your nerves, leaning in to what Holy Spirit is saying and how you should react to them. And admittedly, sometimes it is hard to hear, to hear the Lord, but it's not that he's not speaking. It's not that he doesn't want to talk to us. It's that we can't hear him. And sometimes we're just distracted and other times it's our choices. Our choices are pulling us away from hearing Holy Spirit. Maybe the things that we're watching, the things that we're listening to, the people that we're listening to, maybe those things could be causing you to not be able to hear the Lord. And sometimes it's our heart. Our heart, a heart filled with anger and bitterness and unforgiveness has a hard time hearing from Holy Spirit. And so in those moments when you don't hear, when you can't hear, Don't despair, don't give up. It's an opportunity for you to push a little bit harder, to tell the Lord, you know what, Lord, I cannot hear. Please help me, show me the things that are blocking me from hearing you so that I can hear you because I want to hear you so that I can obey. Breaking down any barrier between us and God will set us on the path of listening to him. So to be obedient, we must surrender. To be obedient, we must listen. To be obedient, we must also act. And Jesus, right after he calls us to listen, he says that we must act. He says in verse 24 of Matthew 7, he says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. So he doesn't just say listen, he says and follows it. We must do something, we must act, we must follow his teaching. And James puts it this way, and I just love what he says. In chapter one of James, he says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. 
Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Friends, it's not enough just to read your Bible, to listen to Christian podcasts, to you know, engage in Bible-based teaching. We have to do something with the knowledge that we have in our hearts and minds. We must let the Word of God change our heart, penetrate our heart, transform our mind, and then change the way we act and the way we speak and the way we think. And acting out of obedience means taking this knowledge, taking these teachings of Jesus and doing something about it. They can't stay here or here or here. We have to actually go out and do something. If you know that Jesus called you to be salt and light, when you act out of obedience, you step out and bring the flavor of Christ wherever you go and you shine the light of Jesus wherever you go. If you know that Jesus called you to love your enemies, when you act out of obedience, you love those who oppose you by praying for them and blessing them. If you know that God has called you to be generous, when you act out of obedience, you give of your finances, you give of your time, you serve the church, you serve in a food pantry, you serve the people who are the most vulnerable and needy. This is how we show that we are obedient. If you know that Jesus has called you to be aware, when you act out of obedience, you're looking for those places that could be pulling you away from an intimate relationship with him, and you're casting those things aside so that you can stay close to him. This is what it looks like to act out of obedience. But here's the thing, and it's a good thing. We don't have to act on our own. We're not alone. We have been equipped by God. Let me read to you from Hebrews. It says, now may the God of peace equip you with every good thing to carry out his will and strengthen you, making you complete and perfect as you ought to be, accomplishing in you that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. So we are equipped. Not only have we been equipped with the word of God because it is and it teaches us and it corrects us, right? We have been equipped by Holy Spirit when we surrender. When we believe, we receive Holy Spirit and we are equipped. He teaches, directs, he leads, he guides, he corrects. This is what Holy Spirit does. This is how we know how to act. And this helps us to accomplish all that God has called us to do for his glory. He doesn't leave us alone to figure it out. Praise the Lord. We would be in big trouble. There is no way that we could do it without Holy Spirit. And I know that you've probably tried because I have, and it is very hard and tiring. We have to make sure we are leaning on Holy Spirit for him to strengthen us so that we can do all that God has purposed and called us to do. But make no mistake, and this is such an important point, our actions don't save us. Our actions are no substitute for a surrendered life to Jesus. Choosing to act and not surrender is not obedience. Our actions are a result of a surrendered life that, of, of the Holy Spirit having taken our heart and transformed us and leading us to obey. Our actions are fruit of a transformed heart. Our actions reveal the love that we have for Jesus because if we love Jesus, we must obey him. So I've said to be obedient, we must surrender. 
To be obedient, we must listen. To be obedient, we must act. And lastly, to be obedient, we must endure. And endure means to last, to remain firm, to not let anything pull you away from something. So in Matthew 7, our our passage, I'm going to reread to you again, verses 24 and 25. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds his house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is on bedrock. Jesus is talking about storms coming, and he's not talking about small ones. He talks about floodwaters. A little gentle spring or summer rain does not bring floodwaters. He's talking about those storms that can come into our lives and shake us to our very core and destroy all that we have built if we have not built it on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is telling us that we should not be surprised when troubles come. Actually, in John, he says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He's so frank and so straight to the point here. Don't be surprised when trouble comes because it's coming. That's what he's saying. He's reminding us and telling us that even if we walk in obedience, storms are going to come. It doesn't mean that things will always be easy. Obedience is not always comfortable, and that's just uncomfortable to even say. When we obey does not guarantee that everything will be sunshine and roses all the time. God sometimes calls us to hard things, but the thing is, is if we know that God loves us, if we understand the love of God, then we know that the things that he's called to us, called us to are good for us. Even if it doesn't feel good, it's good for us because he is good. And what we don't know is the effect our obedience will have on the world. We don't know the good that it will do for his kingdom as we just step into obedience, just say yes to whatever he's calling us to, even if it's difficult. So what are we to do when these troubles come, when these storms come, when when we're shaking, going to and fro, when the floodwaters are rising? What do we do? We must endure. We remain firm in our faith. We're living our surrendered life and listening and acting, acting out of love for Jesus. We don't yield, we don't give in to the attacks that we face, we endure. And Paul says this, and I just love what he says. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. So regardless of what we face, pressing or crushing or confusion, we are not abandoned by God. It's so important to remember, even as we walk in obedience and it's hard, God is still there. He never left. He will never leave. We have Holy Spirit speaking to us, reminding us, strengthening us, reassuring us that this is the way and we should walk in it, that he will never leave us even to the end of the age. And the Apostle Paul, he has quite a story of endurance and obedience. I'm gonna read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and you will hear all that Paul endured just to be obedient to Jesus. He said, I have worked harder been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. 
Three times I have been shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. And I have been hungry and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. I don't know how many of us have a testimony like that. But Paul endured much. But he was obedient. He wrote a good portion of the New Testament, some of it while he was actually in prison. I don't think that I would be writing letters to churches in prison. I will be bemoaning my state of being in prison, to be honest with you. But Paul, he showed us what obedience looks like. We can enjoy the fruit of his labor. He was the apostle to the Gentiles, meaning he took the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles, non-Jewish people. That basically means us. He wrote that New Testament, all those Pauline epistles, so that we could be strengthened and encouraged in our walk of faith. And even though Paul's story is quite extraordinary, better is the obedience of our Savior, of our Jesus. We can see this in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew chapter 26. The Bible says, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done not mine. And Jesus prayed that same prayer two more times. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. In his humanity, Jesus felt the weight of what he was to endure. He knew the importance of his obedience. Our very lives were at stake. So he willingly endured the cross because of the joy set before him us being redeemed and reconciled and justified and saved, brought into a relationship with God so that we could be called sons and daughters of God. He gave up everything and we have the same call. We must be willing to give up everything to be obedient. And Jesus said, if it wasn't clear, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way Take up your cross and follow me. To be obedient, we must endure. And I'd say that the endurance part is probably the hardest part for me because it means that I have to trust that the pain that I'm experiencing, God knows about it and he's there with me in it. It means that I have to decide to say yes to what the Lord has called me to even in the face of opposition that I have to do what he says, even if people I love and honor and respect don't understand and don't agree with me. I read something somewhere that said, you know, God's call on your life was not a conference call. That means that people, not everyone was there when he called you to that specific thing. That means that they probably won't understand and that's okay because you know what? Jesus knows and he understands. 
We have to be willing to accept maybe even punishment from people for doing what the Lord has called us to do. Sometimes obedience is not comfortable and we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable with the Lord has called us to do. I'm not saying it's always gonna be uncomfortable. Sometimes we're really happy to the thing that God has called us to do. But other times, there are spaces and places where it hurts, where we get rejected, and we still have to say yes to Jesus. And in those moments, I wanna encourage you and remind you that it is perfectly okay to speak to the Lord truthfully about your pain, to say, Jesus, this really hurts. This is very ouchy. I do not like what I am feeling right now. Lord, help me to continue to do this. Show me how I can walk through this. Help me to pray for these people who are opposing me. Help me to forgive and help me to keep going to endure. And sometimes we all need a reminder of the love of Jesus when we have these moments. Let me read to you my favorite passage of scripture in those moments. It's from Romans chapter eight. I'll begin in verse 35. It says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I need that reminder of the love of Jesus because that reminds me that this thing that I'm going through, first of all, won't last forever. And second of all, there's something good on the other side. There's something that the Lord wants to teach me. He, he is good to me and good for me. He's not gonna give me a serpent or a stone. It's so important that we remember that Jesus loves us. And I don't know where you are on this journey of obedience, whether you are just putting your toe in the water to surrender, or you're in this space where you're having to endure. You know the Lord called you to something and he's asking you to stick it out and it's hard. I just want you to take time this week to find out where you are. Take stock of the level of obedience you have. Why? Because it's so important. Because if you love Jesus, you must obey him. So you have to know if you're obeying him. So pause and pray this week. Actually, you need to pause and pray all the time about this, to be honest, friends. This is not a one-week call to action. This is a life change, a lifelong pursuit of the living God. And we pursue him with our obedience. I do want to remind you of one thing. It's where I started. I'm going to end. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. The greatness of his love, it's so vast. Do you know how it says, surely goodness and mercy and love will pursue you all the days of your life? It goes before you and it's behind you. His love is so big that it transcends time. He loves you. This, this obedience that he's calling us to is not out of fear or compulsion, but love. And Jesus is not looking for perfection, and it's a good thing, because we can't give it. He knows us, he knows our hearts. He's looking for yielded, surrendered hearts, people who are seeking after him, who are willing to lay it all down. 
These are the people that God calls obedient. I think this is a perfect moment for us to pause and pray together because we need help. We need Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you so much for this revelation of obedience that we have to surrender, we have to listen, we have to act, and we have to endure. And Jesus, I'm so painfully aware of the ways that I've been disobedient, and I know that I'm not alone. God, I pray that you would help us to turn from those ways, from those things that we're hiding in front that you've asked us to do, and that we would get on with it that we would go and say yes and do exactly what you have called us to do. And Lord, we know that we can't do this in our own power and our own strength, that we can only be obedient by the power of Holy Spirit in us. So I pray that we would be filled afresh right now so that we can walk out these steps of obedience. Lord, all that we have, all that we are is yours. We desire our obedience to show, not just in our reading and our listening and our hearing, but in our actions and in our endurance. Oh Jesus, we need you. Help us to endure. Strengthen us so that we can move on.